Chapter Five of The Wind by Dorothy Scarborough. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Abai in October two thousand twenty-one. Chapter Five. In the days that intervened before the dance, Cora showed an ebullient enthusiasm. The approaching festivity controlled everything in one way or another. If one of the children annoyed her in any fashion, she would threaten sharply, If you don't behave, I'll leave you home when we go to the dance. That proved instantly efficacious, and each child stepped at command with a blithe obedience unknown in the household before, or at least since Letty's arrival. Cora had Beverly drive her the twenty-five miles to town, where she bought material to make herself a new dress for the occasion, a cheap stuff but of a lovely gold-brown tone that brought out the lights in her eyes, the live silken sheen of her hair. She was as gay as a girl looking forward to her first dance, and Letty, looking on and thinking it all over, was touched to sympathy. She was a woman who so loved social gaiety, and life gave her so little. She, whose beauty and vivacity would attract attention in any assembly, spent her days cooped up in a shack in a remote ranch. Cora looked over Letty's wardrobe with pursed lips and appraising eyes. From the rather scant assortment she picked out a little last summer's frock of pale blue china silk, with a frill of soft white lace at the throat and short sleeves. "'Wear that,' she ordered. "'I'd rather not take off black just yet,' said Letty, though she shook at her audacity in opposing Cora. "'Shucks and fodder! You don't want to go on looking like a crow. Don't you know that if you don't dress fine you can't catch a bow?' Letty cringed. I don't know that I'm wanting to do that. A oh, high time you were, then. Most of the girls round here are married by your age. You don't want to be an old maid, do you? Letty couldn't truthfully assert that she did, and so the discussion ended by her consenting to wear the blue dress. On the whole, it was easier to give in than to argue. Cora tried to spur Beverly to more enthusiasm in anticipation of the event. Old slow poke, she called him, needs a little touch of high life to make him go. One day, after he had left the house, Cora said to Letty, That white man don't honestly care whether he goes to that dance or not. But then he never does know what's good for him. I always have to make up my mind for him. Do you? Yeah. He'd have been dead of the doldrums as well as of the lungwoe by this time, if it hadn't been for me. Letty looked up with unfeigned interest. What did you do? Cora wrung out her dishcloth and spoke succinctly. I married him. Letty laughed. <laughs> but you didn't make up his mind about that, did you? She asked, for the moment forgetting the confidence Lige had given her on their drive from Sweetwater, regarding the manner of Bev's wooing as he imagined it. Cora put her hands to her hips and surveyed her questioner. Sure as shootin'. He was gettin' worse instead of better of his consumption. 
he was bacon so he wasn't getting the sort of food he ought to have he was blue and sick and discouraged he looked like a motherless calf he was going to give up and go back to virginia to die and he would have too poor thing cried letty with quick sympathy she could just see him and he hadn't written her mother how bad he felt at all but had sent her only cheerful letters cora went on i went to his ranch one day with my brother and we had a talk while bud was projecting round by himself bev told me he was quittin'. i told him he wasn't i'd been in love with him like a prairie fire ever since the first time i set eyes on him he didn't know what he wanted but i knew darn well what i wanted i wanted bev so we was married letty made an inarticulate sound in her throat her mind flashed back to miss rose douglas who had never known how her heartbreak had come about would it comfort her to know cora continued pride swelling her voice i nursed him and saw that he got the right grub and my oldest brother helped him get a start with his herd and look at him now cured of his consumption got this ranch homesteaded and clear and a good herd started her tone softened as she lived back through those struggles that's better than coffin space in one of your old virginia graveyards huh yes indeed i should say so ejaculated her listener as letty thought over the matter unwilling admiration for cora seized her those capable hands had nursed bev back to health had fed him had slaved for him that magnificent body had borne him four fine children that driving energy and optimism had rescued him from hopelessness and compelled him back to health and a measure of success and there was no question of her love for him cora loved her man with a fierce protecting devotion that had something elemental in it something divine she might love to laugh and joke with her visitors but no one who knew her could doubt for an instant that her whole heart was bev's she was passionately exultingly in love with him she went on i guess there's not many women as crazy over their husbands as i am over bev she was talking more to herself than to letty i've heard women say they love their children more than their men well all i got to say is if i had to choose between losing bev and giving up all them four young uns i'd chuck the four quicker and a cat can wink its eye she gazed out of the window a far look in her eyes bev's the whole world to me i love him like a cyclone and i love him too the way the prairie feels when it's still and calm at night when the wind don't blow and the spring flowers are in bloom and the stars shine soft her voice became husky and she passed a hand across her eyes there ain't any way of loving that i don't love bev letty's heart twisted sharply with envy would life ever grant to her a love like that beside that burning reality her shy maiden dreams of romance seemed pallid remote unsubstantial what was love she asked herself something more than the fantasy she had imagined it 
more than an ardent vow a kiss in the moonlight more than a shimmer of white satin and orange blossoms an array of bridal presents love could mean scrubbing of floors and washing of dishes and going without things that girls longed for it could mean struggle and sacrifice and suspense if two people rightly loved their love could glorify all common tasks and hardships beyond the fairy dreams of romance but then her night would lift her above the need for toil and hardship and life would somehow somewhere be ideal she must wait the day of the dance came at last clear and cold good we got a drought on so's the rain can't spoil the fun cora tendered opinion as she surveyed the heavens that showed no clouds the Popple wells lived about fifteen miles away and so the family made preparations to start soon after noon to be sure of arriving before the festivities began sourdough and lige came by in a buggy with a lead horse behind for the use of the discarded swain to ride after letty was picked up sourdough took the lead in plans and conversation i claim first chance old lige can fort you home because maybe i'll be so blowed from dancing that i couldn't talk no such luck growled lige your tongue is calculated to travel faster than a jackrabbit could run if he had as many legs as a thousand leg beverly and cora and all the children even to the baby piled into the two-seated hack with a basket of food to be eaten on the way they were bundled up like eskimo to keep out the cold but their cheeks were red and their eyes bright even the baby seemed infected with the general enthusiasm, for she leaped and crowed with pleasure at being taken out for a drive, and on Bev's sober face was a companionable smile. For a mile or so, Lige rode along by the buggy that held Letty and his partner, and then, with a wave of his hat, he spurred his horse and caught up with Beverly. Evidently, he would not encroach on his partner's right of escort, since the division had been made according to agreement. He would play fair. They reached the Popplewell Ranch before dark and found a number of vehicles standing in the road, the horses having been unhitched and turned into the corral. As a cowboy's dance lasted most of the night, there was no need to keep the animals hitched. Letty was curious to see the half-dugout and the upstairs house, whose novelty of architecture had tickled her imagination when she had heard of them. She perceived that the half-dugout, as its name implied, was a domicile the upper part only of which was wood, the lower being an excavation like a cellar. A regular dugout would be too dark, Sourdough explained to her. You got to have some wall above if you are going to have any window light. Of course, some of the real old-timers did live in regular dugouts at first, for a time, till they could do better. But they generally made out to have part of it up anyhow. He swaggered back with Letty on a tour of inspection. The dugout was behind the upstairs house and separated from it. The upstairs house was merely an ordinary ranch structure, with a porch across the front, 
and four rooms arranged much as in Bev's house. The dugout, he told her, was used as a kitchen and dining room now, and the other for living and sleeping quarters. All of the furniture had been moved from the house and was in full view, piled in the yard outside, the family evidently sure that no damage from rain was likely to come to it. Or perhaps they had counted on the presence of so many healthy men that it could be quickly restored to place in the event of a threatened downpour. The furniture, of itself, Letty decided after viewing it, was not of an elegance to occasion much concern, even if it did get rained on. Though, as the value of any article increases with the distance from the possibility of replacing it, the Popplewells might have conceivably suffered much inconvenience in getting a new outfit. The Popplewells were cordial hosts. Old Man Sai, as the younger folks called him, was a short, stubby person with a grisly goatee, which he plucked at nervously. Perhaps he would have felt more at home at a round-up or branding than at a dance, but he was determined to neglect none of his duties. His wife was a tall, thin woman, who looked as if she might have borne most of the responsibilities, as well as the children, for the family. The offspring were noisily in evidence, heard as well as seen on all sides. Letty tried to count them. There were the twins, the oldest girls, Maud and Gertie, high-bosomed, high-coloured girls much alike, their black hair done up in knots at the nape of the neck and banged across the forehead, their black eyes flashing with gaiety. They were dresses of red cheesecloth, made with ruffles whose exuberance would have attracted attention anywhere. Letty had never seen so many ruffles, nor such full ones. The Popplewell girls would have been upborne like balloons, had a high gale caught them. Sourdough pointed out the frying-size girls to her, not so resplendent of costume, because they were not yet out on the carpet, that is of an age and inclination to marry, but equally exhilarated in their greetings to the arriving guests, and in their enjoyment of the occasion. Perhaps they would like to shove their elder sisters into quick matrimony, to leave the carpet and the upstairs house with its elegance in their undisputed possession. Then there were several boys, whose relative ages were hard to appraise, since they seemed simultaneous. "'Where do you come in?' Letty asked one of the boys, who seemed a trifle smaller than the others. "'Him? Oh, he's the runty pig of the lot.' explained the father. He laid his hand on the bobbing head of a bashful little girl of about four. And here's the meanin. But his look and tone of affection removed the sting from the adjective. He guffawed as she scooted toward the rear in her embarrassment at having attention called to her. Letty scanned the crowd. It appeared that every family had brought all the children, even to the babies in arms. And indeed, who would have been left at home to mind them? Surely the tired mothers needed the change and recreation more than anybody else. But the babies presented a slight problem, for they were put to sleep on the floor of the half-dugout before the dance actually began. 
the older children mulled around as lige expressed it in the party enjoying it as much as their elders did they could hardly have endured the grief of banishment but no one contemplated such cruel and unnecessary punishment small boys stalked around in brand new boots in swaggering imitation of the cowboys betty's eyes were bright with interest as she observed the guests the girls and women were dressed in all sorts of garbs some as handsome as would have been worn at a dance in virginia while others showed less adherence to current styles it was clear that the lack of suitable apparel had kept no female at home the men were likewise varied in their attire some were brave in store clothes while others were decked out in exaggerated cowboy costumes the master of ceremonies the caller as letty learned he was titled wore leggings of fringed leather ornate boots into which his trousers were stuffed blue flannel shirt with collar turned back and a red silk bandana draped coyly round his throat he was fully aware of his impressive costume and swaggered a bit to be sure that others were noticing this leader it was who finally called the assembly to order and announced that the dance would begin he took his stand in the middle of the floor in the main front room called stentoriously choose your partners get in the ring he signalled to the fiddler to tune up that important figure was a wizened little man who might have been seventy-five years old whose face was brown and gnarled as a walnut and whose twinkling blue eyes needed no glasses to aid their vision he waved his fiddle in gay salute to the crowd what is that he's got on his fiddle letty asked her escort snake rattles he informed her what in the world for to keep dampness from the fiddle folks say a rattler never lets his rattles get wet no matter if he swims a river he holds his rattles out of the water so it's considered a good thing to keep the damp out of fiddle strings she looked about fearfully are there many rattlesnakes around here worlds of em but they're in winter quarters now in old prairie dog holes and such like she shivered then i'll never take a walk he chuckled <laughs> folks don't walk here too far from anywheres to anywheres but you'll learn to ride horseback when spring comes on i'll teach you how to shoot rattlers it's fun everybody's telling me to learn how to shoot she shook her head vehemently i don't want to learn the fiddler had warmed up to his task now and the tune made the guests feet dance expectantly as the caller gave directions we'll do see do now gentlemen to the centre ladies hands all sachet to your partners do see do put on airs go upstairs gentlemen advance all promenade slow as the dancers moved through the figures of the old-fashioned square dance letty felt a lightness of heart she had not known since she had left virginia there was a carefree gaiety about the assembly a neighborly joviality that softened the crudities of the costumes that made the bare room attractive because of the hospitality that had brought them all there everybody was having a good time 
as she went lightly through the movements of the dance obeying the directions of the fantastic caller letty's mind could busy itself with thoughts remote from the scene even while her interested eyes saw everything about her and her ears caught every rhythm of the fiddler's tunes would it happen by any chance that her train acquaintance would come to the dance it wasn't likely since he lived in fort worth and must have gone back long ago but maybe he was in this section on business oh by a mere remote chance so every time the door opened to admit a late arrival she would look up quickly to see if it were mr Wirt roddy each time when the newcomer proved to be someone else she felt a slight disappointment a grievance not to be analyzed it would have been interesting to see him again she carefully explained to her mind and perhaps he'd be good fun at a dance she had guessed that beneath his look of rather bored indifference he had a strong capacity for enjoyment if a thing appealed to his tastes yes the dance would be gayer if he were there but he wasn't there she had almost forgotten her faint mysterious fear of him or put it down as only her silly shyness and she remembered only the man's attractiveness his cordiality to her while she danced with lige or sourdough or some other of the cowboys she was thinking of word roddy it would be nice to see again that ironic smile at her naive ignorance of the west oh she was wiser now and knew better how well informed he was about things than she had that day on the train if she ever saw him again she'd tell him he was right in all he said about the wind she could see his slow smile as she told him there was no man on the floor as handsome as he the cowboy's swaggering would seem crude beside his calm arrogance his assurance of superiority she could see him as vividly as on that day twisting his black moustache in aloof amusement his dark eyes bright with mirth that she hadn't quite understood if he came into the room the fiddler would stop the dance would break up for a moment and then the gaiety would begin again the livelier because he was there but he didn't come briskly the caller promoted the gaiety he would clap his hands together or make vehement gestures as he shouted directions leading the song which the others sang with him to the fiddler's blithe accompaniment they were dancing a square dance to the tune of skip to my Lou." gone again skip to my Lou, gone again skip to my Lou, gone again skip to my Lou, skip to my lula my darling his directions for the movements of the dance figures formed the theme for new stanzas when the familiar ones had given out can't get a red bird bluebird'll do can't get a red bird bluebird'll do can't get a red bird bluebird'll do skip to my lula my darling stanzas of that song and others were improvised commenting on conspicuous guests to be caught up by the crowd in spontaneous folk singing presently the riotous tune of shoot the buffalo was begun and they danced to its measures with laughing eyes 
oh the hawk he shot the buzzard and the buzzard shot the crow and will rally round the canebrake and shoot the buffalo letty never lacked for partners young men crowded round her petitioning for dances and she had to choose diplomatically to avoid giving offence lige and sourdough naturally claimed the preference but they were only two among many oh these young men were different from those she had known at home but they were young and she was young and to-night she would be gay no matter what the morrow might be the pounding of heavy boots on the floor raised a haze of sand that blurred the features of the throng as letty watched them as the dance progressed the children one by one succumbed to sleep and were dragged off the floor to be laid beside the babies in the dugout thus leaving more space for the adults the dancers would rest for a brief lull retire to the rear for a drink of black coffee and a piece of cake or pie and then would begin another song some of the men sampled the contents of a keg of whiskey the fiddler would rollick away on the old favourites among the tunes guinea in the low ground turkey in the straw sugar in the coffee and arkansas traveller the hilarity went on all night dawn showed a haggard crowd with sleep-bleared eyes dishevelled hair cheeks flushed from the exertion and the close air of the rooms the fiddler's arm was stiff the caller's voice was hoarse as a foghorn or a bullfrog's basso and letty felt ready to collapse from fatigue but sourdough and cora looked as if they could have gone on for another day without stopping as the last dance was finished sourdough looked straight into letty's eyes as he sang with the others many alas have i let pass because i wanted you then the tune broke out gaily hell among the yearlings as the guests gathered to drink more black coffee before starting the long ride home letty heard a cowboy say to cy popplewell i saw word roddy a couple of days ago why in heck didn't he tell him to come to-night the host growled did give a cordial invite but i couldn't get him to stay over said he was getting back to go to a dance in fort worth i'll be bound for word roddy to be headed for some fandango or other grunted Cy. and so he had been near her in the neighbourhood and hadn't come to see her that night on the train as he said good-bye he had whispered that he would come maybe but he hadn't even sent her a line he could have come to this dance instead of the other if he had wanted to but he hadn't wanted to the coffee was bitter and nauseating to her the crowd of a sudden uncouth she wanted to hurry home but cora's house wasn't home cora looking as rosy and fresh as the sunrise hustled her husband and children into their wraps and into the hack to go to the ranch lige took his place in the buggy with letty going home and sourdough rode on his restive horse beside them for a time the sun was just rising and the prairie was a dim golden grey from the sand and the dead grass 
now flooded with unearthly radiance while the sky became gorgeous with streamers of clouds like trailing flames into letty's mind flashed a whimsical request that the man on the train had made of her won't you sometime watch a sunrise on the plains and think of me but she wouldn't think of him she wouldn't not ever again why should she End of chapter 5